Right to Reason podcast. I am your host, Robert Stanley. Today, you are going to hear from a man that touched Jesus Christ and can now heal people with the power of God. Let my people go. It's the Right to Reason podcast. I reached up and I caught him in an Indian grip, which meant that the palm of his hand is on my wrist and my wrist is on his wrist. He says, I love you this much. And I felt the nail print in his wrist rise up in the palm of my hand. That was physical. So the Lord said, go down, go down, Moses. You might be able to convince me, not really, but you might be able to make an argument enough that I couldn't defend your position. I'll say it that way. You would never change my mind. To let my people go. Let my people go. But, but, um, you but Nick, you, you did you did pray, though, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely, like, I if you, yeah, if you Jesus did it, I did it. If you hadn't have prayed, do you think maybe the miracle might not have happened? Right. It is well with my soul. Can demons do things of a miraculous nature? The answer is yes. It is You, you go look at dogma debate. What what happened with our friend over there after our episode? What happened? Uh, his wife left him and he got in a terrible car accident and almost died. Yeah, but God's, uh, you know, he's mysterious. Well, yeah, even if Come you... Come on. Look- I'm smarter than Jesus. Do you think Jesus could explain Wi-Fi? If I was disobedient and I didn't go pray for Jonathan, would he have received that healing? Probably not. Is there anything that could change your mind about the healing of the staph infection event or the event of the vision where you physically grasped the wrist of Jesus Christ himself? No, uh, there would be nothing that would change that, no. This episode of the Right to Reason podcast is brought to you by our patrons and contributors like me. We have all recognized the value of the unrestrained marketplace of ideas and have decided to make a difference. You can make a difference too. Contribute at patreon.com forward slash right and learn more about your right to reason at the right to reason.com. Your activism is appreciated. Okay, so my name is Nick McClellan. I give a little background on myself. I am a Christian. I was, am a Sunday school teacher, a deacon in a local Baptist church. Uh, I headed several ministries. I've traveled all over the world with a singing group called Koinonia, doing ministry work in orphanages. And, um, you know, I got to a place where I was hungry for more. I had read in, in Acts where the Holy Spirit came on people and miraculous things begin to happen. And so I was fasting, which is something that I had not necessarily done. And for those of you that would wonder what a fast is, it's where I drink water and I don't eat anything else. And so uh, I had been fasting for three days and uh, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and the Holy Spirit prompted me to, to wake up and to go downstairs. And so I have a specific chair that I've been reading my Bible in, praying in for years and years. And so I went, sat down in that chair. I, I just began asking God, what is it that you want from me? You know, what is happening? Um, and so in in the course of sitting there and beginning to pray and just saying, God, you know what? I, I'm tired of the dry Christian walk that I'm walking because I believe that almost everything that is happening in my life up to this point, and I was 48 years of age, uh, everything up to this point in my life um, could really be explained by, you know, just being persuasive as I would proclaim the gospel. It could be, um, you know, just eloquence, if that might be a way of being able to describe it. So being a salesperson as well, it just really was a point where I felt like, God, 
in, in Acts, it talks about power. You know, it's not with persuasive words, but by demonstration of power. And I said, the reality is, God, I have no power in my life. There is nothing in my life that really couldn't be explained by just, I read your word a lot. I go to church every Sunday, but there was nothing supernatural happening in my life. And I think for many people that make the claim of being an atheist or, um, you know, well, that's nice that you want to believe that, but I don't believe that. I think it's, it's the problem is, They've never had a real tangible experience um, with Jesus, and I was really in that spot. I'd never had a, a real tangible experience other than what I deemed to be when I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. There was a heart pull at that point, and I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But after that moment in time, uh, there was really nothing going on. And so I, I came to a place sitting there that morning at 3.30 where I opened my hands up, and I said, God, I give you all of me. I hold nothing back. I surrender totally to your will in my life, whatever it is that you want me to do, whatever it is that you want me to be. I totally surrender myself to you. And I had already felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit that morning is what awakened me. So the presence of God was with me in that moment. And, and in the moment that I said, God, I totally surrender, I had my hands open and I had a vision. And uh, for me, I had never experienced this before, so I really didn't have any any tangible way to be able to say, okay, this is like this, or this is like that. You know, obviously, uh, in the field of endeavorment that I'm in, I do concert promotions and productions. And there are many nights that I stay up all night. And, you know, I know what it is to hallucinate from driving trucks all night and pulling over on the shoulder of the road and waking up thinking you're being hit by a car or something of that nature. It wasn't like that at all. So in, in this moment where I said, God, I totally surrender to you, and I held my hands open, there was a thought that occurred to me, you have finally released all of you, and you can receive what I have for you. And in that moment, I, I envisioned Jesus letting his arms down above me. So he was above my head, letting his arms down, and I reached up and grabbed him. Now, I have to set this picture because it's really important. On, if you've ever seen what an you, Indian grip is. Before, before you talk about the grip, when you say a vision, are you, just to clarify, uh, sorry to interrupt, but are you saying that you you physically saw something or this is like in your head? Yes. No, this was actually a physical vision. As I said before, I had nothing t prior to this to ever compare what a vision was like. The best way I know how to describe it is if you've had a dream that seemed so real that when you woke up, you didn't know where you were. Okay, So that would be the way, the vividness of what I'm explaining, but I'm going to carry the story to a different place than would be from a dream. So yes, there was a reality in the physical realm, but my eyes were closed of what was happening. It was as though the physical reality around me was still there, but I was I was caught up in what was happening with this interaction with Jesus right. in this moment. And up to this moment, it was there was not a physical interaction, although I was it would be kind of like, and this sounds silly, but be the only way I know it's like thinking something that's in front of you and you reach out to grab it and your hand goes through it. Like there's nothing there, but you think there's something there. So yeah. it would the the vision started like that. It's like I saw a vision of Jesus hovering above me, just his arms in his face, you know, his upper torso. It was like he was reaching down to to pick me up out of the chair is kind of the best way I know how to describe it. And so then it was is I reached up and I caught him in an Indian grip, which meant that the palm of his hand is on my wrist and my wrist is on his wrist. So, you know, it's palm to wrist, if that you can kind of grasp that picture because it's yeah. really important. And the moment that I touched him, I felt extremely aware of all of the wrong things that I had done. There was an overwhelming awareness of I am in the presence of a living God and I am not worthy to be here. You know, Isaiah talks about it. Oh, am I a man of unclean lips? being in the presence of a holy God. And that's the way that I felt, or Moses saying, you know, I'm standing on holy ground. It was that type of an awareness, like, oh no, I'm in the presence of God, and this is not good because I'm a sinful person. And in the moment that I felt that way, which was a tremendous condemnation in all reality, I cried out to God, please forgive me. I said, Jesus, please forgive me. And in the moment that I said those words, Jesus, please forgive me, he says, I love you this much, and I felt the nail print in his wrist rise up in the palm of my hand. That was physical. Now, up to this point, I'm holding on to him, and, and it was surreal, but it didn't become real until that moment when he said, I love you that much. And I literally felt the nail print of his wrist rise up in the palm of my hand. And he said, I love you that much. And in that moment, I felt enveloped and overwhelmed by a love that I had never felt before. I really can't even describe it. It's like, Jesus. I've told people this as a description. It's like, if you have a child 
you think this is the greatest love I could ever experience. Like it's not possible to love any more than I love my wife and I love this child. That's the highest level of love. And then you have another child and you think, oh my gosh, I, I can love more than I loved this. So the description and understanding of what Jesus loved me, how much he loved me was greater than the experience of love of my children. And I have three children and a wife and we've been married 37 or been married 30 years, been together 37 years. So it was, it was even a greater awareness of this man loved me so much he was willing to die for me. So that gives you the envisionment of what actually took place in, in that moment. Now, as I have spoken with other people who just are like hogwash, that's the biggest bunch of malarkey I've ever heard. You know, you had not eaten in several days. You were having a dream. You know, it seemed real, but lots of people have these types of dreams. And I would say if it ended there, you might be able to convince me, not really, but you might be able to make an argument enough that I couldn't defend your position. I'll say it that way. You would never change my mind, but you might be able to defend your position enough that I couldn't defend it. But it's what took place after that, that began to set in motion a series of events, which let me know not only was it real to me, but it made it real to those that were around me. Because what transpired, my son and I, we read the Bible together every year. Now, my son is 24 years old. Now, we started reading the Bible together when he was 12, so Nick, Nick, from before, 12. Before you go to the story with your son, just to, just to clarify. Okay, so you, you fasted for three days. You right. go downstairs. You're sitting in the chair. You see a literal Jesus over top of you, torso right. up. He grabs your arms. I grab him. You grab him. He's, it's and you can, you like can he's letting feel. his arms down. It's yeah. kind of like somebody trying to hug you. They hold yeah, their arms yeah. out like they want to hug you. Like they're not saying anything, but it's like, come over here. I want to give you a hug. It was that's a better way to describe it. He's above me, and my hands are up because remember, I've just said I surrender to whatever you want in my life, God. And it was as though he says, "Come here." You know, he's got his hands out like that, and I just reached up and took his hand. So, and then you said you felt the holes in his wrist, right? Yes. After I said, "Forgive me," it's like to begin with, it was surreal, but it didn't feel physical. It was like there was there was something happening, but it didn't it wasn't physical until the moment that I said, please forgive me. And in the moment that I said, please forgive me, what could be described as a surreal experience suddenly became physical because I really felt the nail print in his wrist rise up in the palm of my hand as he said, but I love you this much. And that's when I just felt an overwhelming amount of love going from realization of how sinful I am being in the presence of a holy God, then understanding that he loved me enough that he was willing to forgive me of all of those things and put me in a position where he loved me and I experienced that love. You've had a couple of these kinds of situations since this time. Is that fair to say? Not visions like that, okay. no. I've had several supernatural things happen to me, which I will explain, which give validity back to this experience. But I've only had this happen one time. And in reality, it only lasted for eight months. Mm -hmm. But by the evidence that happened in my life and in the lives of others after that experience, you would have to say, well, that certainly gives more validity to what you're saying than if I just made a statement and said, take it or leave it. This is what it is. There was eight months of supernatural occurrences that happened after that. And that to me gives the validity to the people that I interacted with to ask me the question, what happened to you? Because I've known you for all these years and you're not the same person. Have, have you ever, and so it was just a, a lot like, of those kind of things. Have you ever, because I, I, I certainly want to hear about, about the, the rest of the story, but like, have you ever considered that there is no amount of information that you could add on to the story to make it sound valid? You know, like there's, there's right. no way you're, to convince right. somebody that. that yeah. Happened. If you don't, if you don't believe it's possible to have a vision, then you would have to say, well, I just don't believe your story. But if I substantiate what happens with further evidence after that, then it has to say, well, something happened. You know, it's kind of, you know, I firmly believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God, and we could debate that for years. But I believe it from the standpoint of view that the disciples who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead, believed it so much that they were willing to die for what they believed. You know, only John on the Isle of Patmos didn't die a horrible death. All the rest of them did. So what would cause a person who didn't believe in Jesus to believe in Jesus so much that they were willing to die for what they believed in? That gives validity to the fact that something happened in their life because people don't just die for something they don't believe in. So something happening in their life brought about their boldness to share 
to the point that they got themselves killed because of what they were sharing and what they believed. And so I would say the remainder portion of my story is much like that in that it gives validity to what I'm saying happened with this vision because if it was just a one-time event and nothing occurred after that, my life didn't change any, there was nothing else that happened, I might begin to think, well, you know, I didn't eat for three days. Maybe that just made this up. Maybe my mind just played a trick on me. You know, may, I could begin to doubt my own sanity. You know, there's all sorts of scenarios that you could play out if people begin to, you know, batter you over what really happened. Um, and you could begin to doubt yourself. But because of the change in my life now, I'm 55 years old. So we're talking about an event that happened seven years ago. This isn't something that just happened like two weeks ago. And my life is radically different from what it was seven years ago. It continues to be radically different because what happened to me changed my life. But Okay, so what, what happened with your son exactly? Okay, so taking the story forward into the portion that I really would like to talk about is that my son came down that morning and um, he said, Dad, are you okay? Because I was weeping from the initial phase of this thing, it had me weeping because of my sinfulness. And then I was weeping because I experienced God's love in a way that I had never experienced it before. So this was, I call it a real and tangible experience. This was a moment where it was no longer a religious experience of showing up to church, reading Sunday school lessons. So all, all of the normal things that religious people do, now it had moved well beyond that realm. And so my son comes down, he recognizes dad, you know, it's, 5.30 in the morning, and we read the Bible now, but something obviously happened between whatever time you came down here and right this moment. So what happened? So I began hold on, hold on, hold describing. Hold on. You exactly would read the Bible I, with your son at 5.30 in the morning every morning? Yeah, I've done that for years and years. Now, my son has moved mm -hmm. off. He lives in Atlanta. I live in South Georgia. So he graduated from college two years ago. So I, I haven't been physically doing that with him every day, but he still reads his Bible every day. Hmm. He's part of this discipleship-making movement that I'd be more than glad to talk about. But yes, he reads his Bible every day as well. And that's, you know, yeah. there's a lot of really good reasons why we do that. But just for the matter right. of conversation, I don't want to yes, sidewind. We read you. our Bible every day. I just thought it was bizarre. But cool. yeah, well, you know, okay. if you don't, if you don't believe what it says and you don't apply what it says, then you have no reason to want to do it. But if you experience something, and I don't mean a vision, I just mean, you know, God speaks to you through his word, you live it out. And there is a daily joy. I, I, I use this illustration. This might help you understand. At, at the risk of, of offending you, because I'm loving your story, and I, I really don't. I don't want to. I don't want to kill the mood here, man. But is there a way that we transition this like a little less Sunday school and a more a little more like we're just two guys having a cup of coffee talking? You know what sure. I mean? Like, sure. like I feel like I'll ask you something like, "What? He really grabbed your hand?" And then you're like. You'll talk for like five minutes about him grabbing your hand, <laughs> like, you know. Right. And I'm like, yeah. what? You pray with your son, and you're like, let me tell you why, you know. Like, the, the, right. this is the real truth, and like, I get it. Like, I, I know you. That's what you believe. You know, I believe it's always, it. it's always fascinating to me whenever I talk to believers, and they they feel like they're giving us the non-believer. I have Christian listeners, uh, Christian patrons, even. Primarily, it's atheists, right? Non-believers, right. maybe more agnostic than than what you might consider atheists. But either way, it's almost like you guys always feel like you're telling us something we haven't heard. Like we've heard all of it, if if that's right. possible. Like there is, no, no, there is it. nothing. Like we we read the Bible, or we've read it. Most of us grew up in the church. Now it might have been a different mm -hmm. denomination, but trust me, we, right. we know all the stories. We got like there's nothing. There's nothing new and to, like there's nothing special. I could have the same conversation I'm having with you with a Muslim or a Jew or a Buddhist or a, a Hare Krishna or a, uh -huh. a Mormon. And they're all going to tell me the same thing. And they've all had visions. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's I yeah. don't, no, no, not, I, not I don't to... doubt it. I, I don't doubt it. I think they are demonic visions. <laughs> and I think they're Holy Spirit inspired. Maybe, maybe you know, they say there's so this guy. I, I think that is very, it's a very true statement. But you know what I mean? Like the, they could be saying that theirs is the good one and yours is the demonic one. Like, but to us, to the people looking at that, that reject all these beliefs, we're kind of like, yeah, it's all the same, man. Like there's nothing new here in the sense of like belief. Like we get mm -hmm. that you believe it, like how you believe every other God is. The thousands of religions out there that you're thinking, all those are wrong, but my lottery ticket's right. You know, yeah. of course you're going to. And, gonna, and, I, and I believe like... that again, you know, and there's a debate that I've heard hundreds of Christians versus atheists and agnostics have about, well, 
everything that I speak about, I base it on the Bible. But how do you know the Bible's true? You know, why do you believe and put, you know, credibility in these words? Because we have to go all the way back to the beginning where you say, in the beginning, God created. And you know the creation story from the Christian perspective. But that's really where it starts. That's where every belief starts is what do you think created it? You know, as in, you've heard multiple atheists, um, commentators would make comments like, well, do you believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? Well, I don't. I don't believe that. You know, you can say it was this, 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 and this, but something created something. And God is, he says, I was talking with my seven-year-old uh, niece just two days ago, and I said, do you know what the alpha and the omega is and why it's important? Because the alpha is the beginning and the omega is the end. There was nothing before the beginning and there was nothing after the ending. God is the beginning and the end. And so for me, that fundamental belief of what created everything has to start there. So if you take a person who says, well, you know, I, I don't believe in there being a God, you know, I think I can prove to you to be an agnostic. I may not be able to prove to you to a level that you would believe in Jesus because the word says, if I be lifted up, meaning if I, if I confront you with the love of God, the Holy Spirit will draw you into a right, a right relationship. And the truth is, I believe that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Therefore, that rules out every other religion. Jesus is the only living God. Every other religion has a prophet or someone they look to, but their God is dead. Christianity is the only one that has a living God. So that's one thing. Jesus being a historical character is beyond debate. I mean— you could say you don't believe it, but that's like saying there's no north. You can argue it, but it doesn't make it true. It's a historical figure. I mean, even the calendar is based on, you know, after his death and before his death. So I don't think there's any debate as whether it's a Jesus. So it just comes to is, a place where— This is called script, a gish gallop, sir. <laughs> there's like a yeah. million of these that you do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, first I get, one, the first one sounded like special pleading. Can, can we can we at least agree? Like if I said—my kid, junior high, right, and he goes to school and—, and mm -hmm. Uh, let's say he says a swear word to the teacher, right? He tells right. her to go beep herself or something, right? I'm not going to swear because I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I get that you you probably wouldn't appreciate language like that. Yeah. But, but regardless, I appreciate you not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he 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 says that, and they say, "Well, you're going to get suspended." And he tries to reason with them for a second because he's a crafty little bugger, right? And he says, right. "I understand that the rules say that if I swear at the teacher and tell her to go beep herself." that I should be suspended, but I'm different. If you suspend mm -hmm. me, my dad is going to just totally kill me when I get home. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why you shouldn't suspend me. Like we, we would almost laugh at that. We'd be like, you dumb little 13 year old. That's not how the world works. That's not even right. how, how logic works. But whenever you right. say like God created everything, you know, he's alpha omega and, and all that. Like, I feel like you're saying, He's the one that isn't created, but everything else has to have a creator, right? Like it was it was almost like you were making this kind of cause and effect argument similar to um, who was the Muslim guy that did that one? No, I'm, I'm um, not familiar. I mean, I've heard so many different you Kalam, know, the Kalam Richard Dawkins, those kind of yeah, guys. The, the uh, Kalam cosmological argument, right? And yeah, and it's like it's it's makes it special. Like God's in this special place where everything has to have a creator except him. And. Mm -hmm. That's not how we make arguments. Like you can just you can you can state that, but you have to right. understand that that's not a logical argument. That's a statement that has the same validity as me saying there is a invisible dragon in my garage. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not making a logical argument. I'm just simply making a statement that you can either right. accept or deny. But there's no if this then that there. There's no p's and q's here. You know. Right. Some some elements, you know, and, and I know atheists get aggravated when Christians say, well, there has to be an element of faith. You have to believe in your heart, oh, confess with your mouth. That. So if that. there was complete evidence, 100 percent evidence, everyone would believe there would be no free will choice. You would just say, well, it's logical. You know, this makes perfect sense. I accept it. I mean, Jesus told Nicodemus in the Garden of, in the garden of Gethsemane before— uh, he was going to go to the, the crucifixion, and he said, listen, why don't you explain to me the things of heaven? And he's like, you don't even understand the things of earth. You will not understand the things of heaven. And and it, it goes in and says, you know, that to them that are perishing, the things of God seem like foolishness. And see, I kind of gather in a great majority of the conversations that I have with people that don't believe that there's a God and certainly don't believe in Jesus is that it seems like foolishness to you because the reality is you never have to teach a child 
how to do wrong. You ever notice that? I mean, you said you have a kid, <laughs> so you never teach your kid to do wrong. You have to teach your kid to do right. Well, why is that? Sort why of, if, sort of, yeah. if we are on level playing field, why do kids always, without a doubt, grow up being selfish? What they want is what they want, and they're going to scream and kick when they don't get what they want. Instead of some of the kids growing up and being, hey, you know, here, share my toys. Here, take this. You know, th there's not. I mean, and I have three very distinct, different children. They all are very unique and in in, raised in the same house, but very distinct personalities. But I've never seen a kid or raised, been around a kid that didn't, wasn't born with a sin nature. So you say, well, if all kids kind of have this same nature, where does that come from? That can't be explained by well, evolution. Well, hold on. <laughs> you know, it can't be explained by any other thing. Why it's are just, you saying and it's not sin? environment. Wouldn't it be environment? Because my kids were raised in a very good home. You know, mom and dad are still together. We love them. My my parents, my grandparents were all married, still married, you know. So it was like there would be nothing that would cause them to be raised in an environment where they would be things that they hadn't seen demonstrated in front of them. I could understand if they were emulating something that they saw, but we weren't like that. So where did well, that come from? Well, it was can, an innate can, something within them. And that's where, that? you know, I get the understanding of Scripture where it says the wage of sin is death when— Adam and Eve fell in the garden. That created the sin nature, which sets in motion the need for a savior. That's the whole reason Jesus had to come. <laughs> Did you just throw that in real quick at the end? That's the whole reason Jesus had to come. Yep. You're There's killing my me, brother. Kill, like, but, but it is Sunday, so I have to get a Sunday school <laughs> That's what it today. is. I didn't get to teach this morning you didn't because get to. You uh, got we didn't so have much Sunday school here. today. So you get, you're getting a free Sunday school lesson. <laughs> well, yeah, I just feel... Like, this isn't how people talk, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is for me. It really is for me. I know okay, when you when we, you sit down, you just had Thanksgiving dinner, sure. right? Did you do that at Thanksgiving dinner, though? I absolutely did. As a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, you, you will find this very odd. You know, we keep journals, and in our journals, we write down the, the answers to prayers that God has answered. I, I mean, just one example recently. My college roommate called me and said, hey, um, would you go up and check on my nephew? He's in the hospital in Tifton. He uh, has been in the hospital for six days. He has staph infection in his leg. He went in for a lung issue. He got staph infection in his leg. They've tried four different antibiotics on him, and nothing is working. He cannot get out of bed. His leg is swollen like twice the size of the other one, and they don't right. know what you know what's going to happen. And so you know that's a horrible situation. I go up to him. I am prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for him, but to not share salvation. So I pray with him. I tell him God's going to do a miracle in his life and reveal himself to him. The next morning, this the next morning, he's been in the hospital six days. His mother calls me and says, he's being released from the hospital right now. The swelling went down in his leg last night, and he's being released from the hospital this morning. This, what this did you happened, and Jonathan do last this night? Happened I said, I prayed from, for from your praying for him? Well, I didn't do it. Jesus did right, it, but I'm right, saying but, I was obedient to it. So if when you I sit down at my Thanksgiving him, table, these are the types of things that I share. But if what you God is doing in the real and tangible, and it all comes back to that moment when I was 48, God began to do a miraculous work in my life that continues to translate into miraculous things. For eight months, I walked in, I would say, a supernatural miraculous thing because there was an awareness of the Holy Spirit and God's presence at all times for eight months. And I, and I had words of knowledge, which means that I would know something about you that there's no way that I would know because you never told me. But in knowing that, um, it would bring about your change of attitude or your change of, you know, whatever you were doing to bring about a righteous indignation that God would say, I'm trying to get your attention, you know, pay attention to what I'm saying and do it in a supernatural way so that they would know it's nothing that I did. I couldn't do it. It's impossible for me to hold do on, it, hold on, hold but that on. God did it through them. Through there, me. There's, there's no way for me to keep up with how you're talking. I understand. I, understand. <laughs> like, I, I mean, no disrespect. It's so often. It's so often. It just is. It, it doesn't make sense to somebody who's never. No, no, if no, you've no, never no. Experienced it's, anything. That's not it. That's of, not it. It's, of, it's. That's not what I mean. It's, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It like I. I get it. It, it makes sense. Like I know. I know everything you know <laughs> about God. Okay. Okay. Like, I get it. It makes it hard to talk when like, like you're a fun guy to talk to. And I I could sit back and listen to you for a while. But like as a talk show host. Like mm -hmm. if I don't have like conversations going back and forth, people get mad at me. I, I get I get emails every once in a while. I'm I'm a small fish in a big pond, but right. but the the few the the few listeners I have, they'll send me emails and they'll be like, if you have a guest on that has like the equivalent of a wall of text of audio, you know that I have yeah. to like right. I I gotta I gotta go elsewhere, man. And like, <laughs> well, stop me and stop me and ask a question. I I just well, you know until until you interrupt me, I'm telling a story. So I, I just <laughs> okay. keep rolling with the story. Maybe that is that how Thanksgiving dinner works. 
Like you, yeah. Like everybody, my my dad is the same way. And whenever we hang out and we're talking, it's almost like it's a it's an unwritten rule that I I talk until you interrupt, and it's not right. rude with him. So, right. but I'm so used to talking to I guess more sensitive Christians, maybe you know, yeah. like you you don't you don't come across that way. Like you seem like yeah, let's get in it, man. But like, I, well, I, and I don't want to argue that. No, no. When I'm just you know, but you you ask, do I? act this way all the time. Yeah, I really do. Because it, like I said, it so radically changed me. I have spiritual conversations with people on a daily basis. Yeah. You prayed over this guy, God healed him, and his staph infection in his leg went away. Did I understand that correctly? Right. And he walked out on his own two legs where just the night before he couldn't even get out of out of bed to go to the bathroom. And was he so taking antibiotics being or anything? there six days, he couldn't walk. And then in less than 12 hours, he was walking out of the hospital. They were discharging him. Was he, was he also under medication like antibiotics in addition oh, yeah. to— Oh, yeah. He had been under four different types of antibiotics prior to my visit. And they were, and the mother, the mother called Billy, who called me because I live in the same town with him. Billy's in Atlanta, actually. I was in Tennessee now, but um, he called me because he knew I would go by and visit him. But yeah, he had been on four different antibiotics, and the doctors were saying this isn't touching the staph infection. We're not sure yeah. where our next our next step is. That's the reason he called me because he said, "Go pray with him." You know, they, they tried four different antibiotics and nothing is working. And How this do you, is getting critical because if they don't find something that works, I mean, I don't know that much about staph infection, but you lose limbs over that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. I had a I had a buddy. So I mean, loses, it, was, loses, it was getting critical. Uh, he was really really nervous the the day the night that I came in there because he was like, "Man, you know, something's got to give." And he and he wasn't a believer, so it wasn't like he came in there welcoming me. Oh, pray Jesus over me. Right. You know, the Holy Spirit wanted me to show him a miracle. Not me, but Jesus is going to show him a miracle to prove that he was real. Kind of like when I talk to people. But but, um, you but know. Nick, you you did you did pray though, right? Absolutely, so absolutely. Like I if you yeah, if you Jesus hadn't, did it, I did it. If you hadn't have prayed, do you think maybe the miracle might not have happened? Right. I don't think it would have happened so, because it had already been there for six days right. and nothing had happened up to that point. So then you you did play a role. Like I, I get whenever like I'm like so you kind of you helped heal him. And you go no no that was all God. It wasn't yeah. all God. Part of it was you. Was my obedience to do what I was prompted to do, and and you know in the Christian walk again, yeah. trying to not chase a Sunday school lesson here, but Jesus says, "My sheep hear my voice and they follow me." When you speak to most Christians, they will not say that they understand what a prompting of the Holy Spirit is, you know, and not understanding what a prompting of the Holy Spirit is means that you're running on your own guidance. You're not listening to God. God is always at work around us, but if you're not I'll use it this way. If you're not tuned into his radio station, yes. so to speak, then yes. you don't know what he's asking you that, to do. That makes perfect sense. If, if if I were to present to you a story of a similar scenario where somebody was in the hospital and they were on antibiotics, mm -hmm. um, being helped by the futility of modern medicine, but modern medicine <laughs> nevertheless, right? Um, it's the best we've ever had, at least. And yes. um, I said that I uh, – what's, what's a religion that you think is just complete – completely silly what's a good one it is well i'll say completely silly islamist i, I just totally right. disagree so with I the say, whole ishmael isaac argument i think so too muhammad cutting the moon in half and all that get out of town but so right um i say i prayed to uh allah and not just like the middle eastern that's the word for god there I'm like no, no no i prayed to like muhammad allah right like i i really allah who akbar the hell out of this thing and right my buddy's leg was healed is there any chance in hell that you would believe in Allah from that story? Or would you think, A, I'm just attributing things to my version of God that modern science solved, or B, I'm crazy, or C, you know, maybe, maybe you would believe it. But I, I don't think you would. I don't think you would find healing that's stories a, That's convincing. a really good argument. Um, not an argument. Well, it's a good statement. So well, it's here's a question. The, it's here's, a question. The way, here's the way I would look at that. Um, there was a story in Scripture of King Mesha. He was a Moabite. The children of Israel were coming against his city. He had 70 of his strongest fighters, and he ran to the highest point in his town, and, and the Israelites were about to overcome the city. He sacrificed his oldest son and was given the ability to push back the Israelites and escape with his life. Now, I see that as a very similar story to what you just described, because this is the way I would look at this. In the spiritual realm, there are demons and there are angels. There is Satan and there is Jesus. 
Satan was like the number two in heaven. He was the worshiper. He said, you know, I will ascend to the most high and become like God. He had power. He still has power. He is considered the ruler of this air. So when a scenario similar to what you just said, that someone from another religion comes in and something miraculous happens, do I believe that that can happen? Yes, I actually do. Because Satan has power. In this story that I just mentioned to you from the Old Testament, the king of Mesha sacrificed his child. It was the blood sacrifice of his child that allowed the demonic power to supersede the power that God had present and allowed the Israelites to be pushed back so that he and his 70 soldiers could escape. So I give great credibility to demonic power. So when you mention anything of that nature happening of a supernatural where, well, this religion had this claims miracles too— I don't deny I don't deny that they can't have miracles because they're demonic miracles. Um, but it's different from a miracle that the Holy Spirit would inspire. So, God so is stronger. The, it's kind of like the, two the good basketball digest. players out there on the floor. You know, only one can win, but they both are good. And and I see it in that same way. Right. You know, Satan has a power. It is his authority on this world. You know, if you know Scripture, you know that Jesus went into the wilderness and and fasted for 40 days. And in that time period, Satan came to him and he took him up on a high temple, on the high temple mount, and he showed them the whole territory. And he said, fall down and worship me and I will give this to you. Well, how could he give something that he didn't have? He had power. He has authority. He has dominion over this world. So even though Jesus is going to win in the end when he comes back at the second coming, as the book of Revelations talks about, the reality is is that Satan still is the ruler of this world. He still has dominion and power. Let me me ask you this. Okay. So the, the short version of that, the Reader's Digest short version, right, would be con- mm-hmm. the condensed, the abridged, as it were. Uh, no, you, that wouldn't make you believe it. If I told you, Muhammad, uh, no. help me heal this dude's leg, you, you wouldn't believe it. In fact, just me saying that almost makes you believe in your belief even stronger. In a way, it, it yeah. It, I would it I would say it. that they summoned a demon who healed the boy. That's fair what enough, I would say. Enough. They okay. summoned a demon that healed the boy. I had even in, uh, a similar staff infection. In, situation. You had a similar staff in Well, well a, okay. a story of one. Okay, so it's this buddy of mine. His name's John. He's been in a wheelchair. Actually, one of the listeners uh, right now used to be a friend of this guy, and they, they went their separate ways. So it's kind of funny uh, that this guy just popped in my head. But he had this horrible staph infection, Nick. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it was it was... Well, okay, when I tell you the story, you're just going to gross you out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he he's in a wheelchair, right? He, he Whenever he was like 16, I think, he was smoking uh-huh. a joint. He dropped it. He reached down. He was drunk off his ass, uh, driving mm-hmm. home one night, reaches down to pick it up. Whenever he comes back up, wham, slam, right into a big old oak tree, doesn't walk for the rest of his life, right? At least wow. until now. He's, he's still with us, but he, he's mm-hmm. still paralyzed as well. Um, yeah. Real big into like uh, mysticism stuff, uh, Native American religion, spiritualism, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, rejected, mm-hmm. rejected Christianity. Uh, his whole mm-hmm. life. In fact, his parents used to take him to church all the time, even after he, he lost his ability to walk. And mm-hmm. he would disrespect the preacher regularly. Uh, mm. Pastor Phillips uh, was was an older man. He eventually mm-hmm. passed away. And uh, John and I and my girlfriend at the time, uh, who was friends of his family uh, and a couple others, they, they were all like these gothic weirdo kids, right? They, they like to paint their faces. They call it fainting their paces. <laughs> I don't know what okay. the hell. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's everybody's on drugs back then. Uh, uh-huh. They all, they would go to the the cemetery and just do these orgy things or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So this dude goes to Pastor Phillips' grave, and mm-hmm. on top of it, it had uh, just a cross that you know it just sat on like a peg, you know, the cement uh-huh. peg. And he picked right. it up and took it and and made you know I'm not going to insult you uh, about the story, but you know he he did some things with it, you know, right. perverted stuff, kind of stuff. And yeah. made a big joke about it. Within a very short amount of time, this one challenged me because this is long before I was an atheist. So it kind of freaked me out. But he had gotten bitten by a brown recluse spider uh-huh. on his on his butt. He had sat on it, apparently, whenever he got back in his wheelchair. But since right. he has no feeling down there, he had no idea there was a staph infection until uh, his sexual partner mm-hmm. let him know, oh, my God, what's wrong with your butt? You know. And he yeah. goes up. He 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 to this day only has one butt cheek because they actually wow. had to take off a whole butt cheek. Yeah. And, uh, um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, just a series of horrible events occurred. He lost his house, uh, horrible financial situations, all, all sorts of things. Ended up getting in some problem, lost that relationship, had to move back in with his parents. Just everything went to went to heck after that. And so he went back to the cemetery, returned the cross, mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. since then, everything's been great in his life. I mean, he still only has one butt cheek and he's still paralyzed, but <sighs> he hasn't been going through all these these kinds of problems. I don't know what happened between him and his uh, God, as it were, but uh-huh. that's that's a powerful message to me that I yeah. think... Not well. I mean, not, not even a bad argument. You, know, you you go look at dogma debate. What what happened with our friend over there after our episode? What happened? Uh, his wife left him, and he got in a terrible car accident and almost died. I didn't know that. I, I knew he yeah. wasn't he wasn't married anymore. But uh, they right. they were that, on and off again for a while. I didn't. But so what that happened, happened the a week, that happened a week after our episode. I had a hundred and fifty five conversations after that episode. And um, it took me about four weeks to go through all of the conversations with that. But as I said earlier, the things of God seem foolishness as foolishness to those that are perishing. So, yeah, Wait, I can't are, convince anybody of what I believe. That, that what um, I, just know, I just know there's enough evidence that from my own life experience that if someone were to sit down as we're having a conversation and you say, OK, so let's let's assume that what happened to you was real. What's the evidence after that experience that things changed in your life? What were the things that changed and why would you give credibility to them back to that vision? That's the question. But do you – okay, so, so let me let me ask you a two-parter here, Nick. Part one, do you think that what happened to David in some way was a result of his conversation with you? No, no. I, I think that his continuous disobedience to God – there's there are there are penalties. I mean, you can't curse God and expect something to not come out of it. I mean, it's just the way it is. I, I think if you the Holy Spirit calls and woos and he comes to a point where he says he turns you over to a reprobate mind like you wouldn't believe you've had umpteen dozen ch- opportunities to accept Christ as your savior. And then there comes a point where your conscience is seared. Nothing anyone could say, nothing anyone could do would persuade you otherwise. And I'm not saying it happened. I'm not really even suggesting that it happened, but it did happen. So what was the rationalization behind it? And, and I think to a certain extent, you know, he is on a show with the attitude of I'm letting us have a conversation, but I brought you on my show for the purpose of making others laugh at you or to think that there is nothing, there's no reality to what occurred with you. And I'm going to bring as many of my friends to come against you in what you're saying. I didn't have anybody in 155 conversations that even gave the least amount of credibility to what I had to say. And I don't expect that it'll be much the same way from your listeners if there are conversations that pursue this. But I think there comes that point where you say, no, 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 no. And God stops calling. And at that point, you know, there's there's nothing but bad's going to come after that. Let me, uh, in my opinion, let me update everybody before before I ask the follow up question. Uh, Tuesday morning at three thirty a.m., David Smalley was headed home from a comedy show in West Hollywood and was involved in an accident. A faulty tire on the right rear of his car disintegrated. Really, it disintegrated? <laughs> that can't be the right word. Mm. Well, either way, mm. it it blew up, causing the back end to swerve out of control at freeway speed, slamming him into a guardrail in the northbound lanes of Interstate 5 in Los Angeles County. No drugs or alcohol were involved, and no one else was hurt. All the airbags deployed, and the safety system in his car shut off the engine and dialed 911 through his phone. Investigators are looking into why uh, Pirelli tire lost its tread, causing the vehicle to careen out of control, as shown in the second image. And these images, uh, if anybody wants to just look it up, it's just just type in David Smalley car accident. His car is fucked. Oh, sorry, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it is. And uh, my point, my point to him was, we're not promised tomorrow. So you can kind yeah, of take you, that conversation actually, and run it. And and I know from a you Christian think or not, this is punishment from God, Nick. You actually well, believe this is punishment? I'm not saying it was. I'm saying you it did because because he's saying you said this was you're a not result promised tomorrow. Him. He makes fun of the things I, of God, I, and then this accident occurs. I'm not right, saying that. But you're saying, come on, like I'm. I'm not saying, uh, you know, your your uh, your business got smashed up because you didn't pay your dues, but you did miss your payment. And guess what? Your business got smashed up. What are you going to do next month, pal? You know, like, I mean, that's what you're saying. It's right. that it's that might makes right kind of argument that something bad happened to somebody and you're going, oh, he was a sinner. Well, we're all sinners. Let's put that in perspective. <laughs> look, look, we're all here's, sinners. Here's even even me, I, you know, and I've had an amazing experience with God and I walk him out every day, but I still, I get ill with my wife and I, I get frustrated with people and, you know, I get we cut all, off in traffic. We and all I, get ill I, with I, our wives. Oh, you know. but, but even even lesbians get mad at their wives. So 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, but, okay, here's my, here's my second question. Do you think that what happened to John could have been a result of divine punishment? John. The, the wheelchair guy that lost half his ass. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. He literally is half-assing everything in his life from this point forward. <laughs> That's terrible. If he knows you, he's going to throw you under the bus. No, but he's not listening. He, yes, it could be. You know, it could be. It, it could absolutely be. I mean, if you can say blasphemous things against the Holy Spirit and to deny that there is a God, to deny that there is a Holy Spirit, to deny the existence of Jesus, that, that is considered blasphemy, and that is the unpardonable sin. So if you say— the person did what is the worst thing that can possibly happen, and God punished them for that, and then to say, well, you're saying it had to happen that way. I'm not saying it had to happen that way. I'm saying but there could be a very high degree of likelihood. I mean, I don't know if you know the story or recall the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible, but, but they sold but before, a piece of property, brought it before God, and, and lied about what they sold it for, and they both were dropped dead, you know, independently of each other, but they both were dropped dead. So, yes, God absolutely punishes people who do wrong things. You know, I think that's part of it. It doesn't say he has to. Okay. You know, he's gracious, and but oftentimes me, he says, okay, you know, that's one, but we continue to live on, and there are people that live their whole life. I mean, I, I led a 93 year year old woman in uh where, where well, were we um, before before you get to that story let, let me throw let me throw a caveat here okay uh, mm-hmm. the story with john is that mm-hmm. uh actually there was no there was no preacher in the story i mm-hmm. made that part up and it wasn't a cross it was like the shape of a pawn piece he actually did do all the other stuff and all of that's legit but uh-huh. it was just a pawn piece there, there has nothing to do with jesus whatsoever you might say well he's disrespecting the dead but that would actually confirm his like weirdo Right, right. goth beliefs anyway so yeah once i say that though like the guy's actually just he, he believes in all the, like the wicked crappy stuff right but once mm-hmm. i change that part of the story does it make it any less believable that he was punished by god no i, I don't think so because again I, I didn't say that it was i said it could be as in david yeah. smalley situation i mean you say it was coincidental but it did happen, and the circumstances were what they were. In your your friend's case, I mean, you changed the story. It still doesn't mean. I mean, it was a little trick. Whatever. Reason. I did a little tricky trick, but still, yeah. But the but rest I, of it's true. A recluse, you can die from a recluse bite. Well, no, so no, no. There's he, yeah, always like, the possibility. Yeah, he, yeah, there's a the possibility really, of yeah. bringing a person to the realization I could have died from that, but, and if I had died, where would I spend eternity? You know, and maybe that was God's graciousness reaching out to him, saying, "This is going to be terrible. This is a bad thing, but I'm hoping that it's going to bring you to a reality that." You can't just live any way you want to. There will be a day of reckoning. So, so even <laughs> even whenever God's not involved, you still insert him in there. Even even yeah. when it doesn't have anything to do with him disrespecting God or or doing perverted stuff like putting crosses up his butt. None of that. He still has wasn't to a believer, so he still he still wasn't living a godly life. So I mean. He, by again coming back to the wage of sin is death. If you're not a believer, you deserve to die. Now I know that sounds absolutely horrible in the context of well, you just mean you should walk up and shoot somebody. I'm not suggesting that at all. And that's even David Smalley tried to put that one on me. And the reality is, Scripture says we are going to die at one point, and after that there is a judgment because the wage that we earn because of not accepting Jesus is death and eternal damnation. So the only way you get beyond that is to accept Christ. So if this person you're referring to, for whatever reason, you know, never accepted Jesus Christ, he's living as an unbeliever and he's still under the curse because he never accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus why, offers. Why so yeah, thing? he still he still could have been bit by that spot to bring about a reality that, you know what, I could have died from that. I maybe need to reevaluate my life a little bit. But, but Nick, if, if what you're saying is true, it would change the world. It would be yeah. the most amazing change throughout all of the scientific community if tomorrow, like, this was something that was, like, real instead of just something that Nick is saying to the listener right now. But, I mean, really real. Like, we could take people like yourself and put them in children's hospitals all over the United States. We could change medical science. We would start researching all sorts of different avenues for how to heal one another. We would it would change physics as a whole because now miracles are possible. It would change politics. We would probably fall into some kind of theocracy, but it wouldn't necessarily be like a bad theocracy. It was it would be peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? But like sure. Sure. The, the, all of these things. If I could, could if I could control it, but there again, but, but it, it, all, all, it, all would have to be is true because you understand that the scientific community is constantly just churning 
out articles and peer-reviewed journals every day trying to figure out the mysteries of the world. And if you could present just just a, a, a smidgen of evidence that you can heal staph infection or that God can heal staph infection through you, what have you, but if, if you mm-hmm. could if you could just produce anything whatsoever, you would turn the world upside down, Nick. Right, but how how would you prove that? I mean, if you interviewed what, Jonathan was what, was this guy's name, and, and if he said, "Yeah, I had oozing sores, my no, leg was swollen be, twice," no, no, and the next morning anecdotal. I out. It can't be anecdotal. Why why can't we just? Uh, you could test it in in a number of ways. You could go in and have a record of exactly what his leg looked like just before you prayed, and then do a record of what his leg looked like after you prayed, and then uh, repeat this again yep. and again with in different scenarios right. and. This this could be I'm telling you like it it would it would blow the world away. Yes, but you're you're making a statement like I'm God, like I have anything to do with that other than the fact that I just prayed. So and I and I give a hundred percent credit to God. He did heal Jonathan in that instance. But yeah. I can also say I have prayed over hundreds of people who have yeah. not received any healings. Yeah. One of my best friends died of cancer, and I prayed with him through the point of his death. I'm, I'm sorry that so, happened, but but Nick Nick. You're, so God you're telling me that how that he's you're, going to do and why he's going to do. I, I can't. I get I can't it. I get it. But there's there's a major problem with that because if you asked me, uh, Robert, why have you been so successful in your life? And I say, uh, it's just because of this crystal that I keep. And you say, mm-hmm. yeah, but why did the bad things happen? I say, it's because of this crystal. You say, well, well how can I prove <laughs> this? And I say, right. well, the crystal keeps it a mystery. Yeah. You, you start to see that like whenever I ask you, Okay, if this really is true, like we should be able to prove it somehow. If God, who who apparently is supernatural, is interacting in nature, then we can mm-hmm. see the natural effects. We can test this with science. We can record right. the data and make very likely predictions about it and then see them come true. And you say, Yeah, 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 but God's uh, you know, he's mysterious. Well, yeah, even if come you on. looked at if you looked at the X-ray and you said, okay, we see the staph infection in his leg, and the next morning there's no staph infection, there's still no cause and effect. You couldn't, just because seeing it was there and seeing it's not there, no one would attribute that to God necessarily, why don't, even why don't if you... I specifically prayed. So, again, even in what you're saying, and I understand what you're saying, you're trying to yeah. say, I mean, it's, it's the same argument of prove to me there's a God. You it's know, a fair so argument, I can Nick. Evidence, you know, I, I can't prove to you there's wind, but I see the evidence you of it. You can. You can prove there's wind, of course. Jesus was wrong on that one. He's like, we don't know from where it wispeth or to where it goeth. Like, no, we do, Jesus. You, you, <laughs> you don't know because you're not omniscient. I know more than Jesus, right. Nick. I'm smarter than Jesus. Do you think Jesus mm-hmm. could explain Wi-Fi? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I mean no disrespect. I'm just saying, like, the, these these arguments are are so ridiculous. In the same sense, if I were to offer up. Any other version of this story about the healing, mm-hmm. and say it was another god, you've already mm-hmm. you've already confirmed that you wouldn't believe it was true. It would only confirm your faith. No, I, I said I could believe that it was true because I have. But not. I mean, not there's stories from in scripture god. about demonic powers. Right, right, but but my version, like just like your version of the story is God healed the staph infection. My version of the story is Muhammad right. healed the staph infection. You would say my my story is not true. In fact. That story correlates with my beliefs in the world that you know demons do stuff. Right. I, I would confer that demons do stuff. I wouldn't say that if some if there was evidence that this guy had staph infection and somebody from Muhammad came in and prayed for him, I wouldn't say that demons couldn't heal him because they can. They do. It, I mean, if they don't do anything for the positive. I wouldn't say that there was it was going to be a lasting you know healing or that there was anything that was going to draw glory to God out of that situation. I would not say that, but. Can demons do things of a miraculous nature? The answer is yes. Is there anything that could possibly change your mind? In what regards? That God heals people through you. Is there any possibility that you could ever change your mind about this? Well, I guess I need to state what I believe because I think maybe we're not on the same page as what I'm saying. I say that through the prayer that God prompted me to pray for that young man— that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, however you want to put it, healed that young man. I was, it wasn't because of me other than the fact that I was obedient to pray. If I had not been prompted to pray in the way that I did, would the boy have been healed? I don't think so. Is there anything that could change your mind about 
the healing of the staph infection event or the event of the vision where you physically grasped the wrist of Jesus Christ himself? No, uh, there would be nothing that would change that. No, because those were actual events. That would be like saying I'm trying to believe I did. I wasn't born, but I have evidence that I was. My life from age 48 to 55 is so dramatically different from what it was before that that's the evidence. That is the evidence that these things really did occur and continue to occur is because it continues to be walked out in my daily existence. If there was no evidence for what took place, then at some point you could say, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I really didn't have that. Maybe I didn't see that. Maybe I thought something different. But the reality is it was like a a branding iron in my soul. It's so changed who I am and the empowerment of God in my life that, you know, I would be just like the disciples. I would die in my belief before I would denounce it. You accepted that this might sound crazy to the to the atheist, to the non-believer, to the skeptic. Absolutely. Oh, it Is does, because there... I had 155 conversations of people calling me an idiot, you know, basically that I had been, that yeah. I had been uh, yeah. fasting and the lack of food caused my brain to create these Is, visions. There, yeah, I mean, I've heard all of that. that I could come to believe you from reason? That I didn't have the vision? No, that, that that I could come to accept that what you're saying is true. Can reason alone get me there? Yes, because as I said before, and I know our time is running out, but yes, and the, the way that I described why I think someone should believe my story was because of what happened afterwards. So take the vision as it is, as I've described it, and then say, okay, why should I believe that is true? Okay. So there were words of knowledge, and I could give you multiple stories of things that I knew about people that prior to that experience, I would never know. I'd never had anything revealed to me. Suddenly, I would know something that there's no way that I would know. Deep secrets. I mean, just share share one snippet of a story. Uh, A man was giving me a ride back to my house as I had dropped my car off at his shop. Along the way, the Holy Spirit says, ask the man about Brittany. So I just looked at the guy, and I said, hey. How are things with you and Brittany? He's, how do you know about Brittany? I said, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to ask you about Brittany. So in that moment, he tells me, you know, I've been seeing this 20-year-old. He's a 60-year-old man. He's been seeing this 20-year-old girl. He's been buying her drugs. Her name is Brittany. He's been having sex with her. And God convicts him while he's riding in the car with me. He is a Christian, but he falls under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repents of his sins, and restores his relationship with Jesus. All because I got one word. Now that type of an event occurred many, many occasions. How would that have happened? How do you explain that? So there's there's as much a mystery in what happened to me as the cause effect of after that happened to me, things begin to happen. I can tell you another story or two if you want to hear some other ones that are just as crazy, but those are the types of things that begin to happen for eight months. For with, eight with the, months, with the story those types of, of events Britain begin to occur. And about the staph infection and about the vision, it seems like a certain amount of faith is required. I mean, you said yourself, if everything was was completely provable, then everybody would we, be a Christian. Yeah, everybody would be a Christian. And it seems yeah. like just like believing in uh, the stories from the gospel and the stories from the epistles, that requires some faith. Believing in your stories, your experiences with your Lord and Savior requires faith as well. And therefore, it's not something that I can come to from just my own reasoning, man's reason. Well, I would say you could come from the reasoning standpoint of view if you talk to the person that this happened to, and he said, yes, it happened like that. He told me this name that he shouldn't have known, that this had been a deep harbored secret I didn't want anybody to know about, because here I am, a 60-year-old man with a 20-year-old girl, and I'm buying her drugs. I don't want anybody to know about that. That's a deep harbored secret. So how would I know that? It wasn't like he told me. So that's why I'm saying that gives credibility to what happened, because that had never happened before. So what was different in my life from age 47, when 47 to 12, when I accepted Christ, nothing of that nature had ever happened. So all of a sudden at 48, for the next eight months, all of a sudden I uh, have the ability to be able to know things that I didn't have ways to know before because the Holy Spirit was revealing things to me that had never happened before. Then why do the rest of us need faith, Nick? Because if, it says if, if you at the have end the of the day, of the, a mustard listen, seed, listen, you can listen, say to this no, mountain, be cast no, in the sea, Nick, it will. So there, there Nick, is faith, as you, you mentioned, just, you know. You, you can't just believe told without us, there being Nick, some degree of faith. Nick, you just explained to us that all of these things, with your experience, reason alone could be adequate to believe in them. Why do I need well, I'm saying, faith? 
because Scripture says you need faith. It says without faith, but it's impossible you to please and scripture must believe that he exists and agree. that he earnestly rewards those that seek him. So, I mean, that's that's the answer is you're asking a God question. You have to understand in the context of what Scripture says, because that is the word of God. You and Scripture are in contention on this point. You're saying that not for everyone is faith required. And I'm no, no, saying, no, no. I'm say, saying, why I did, did I, why did I not get the Damascus Road experience like, like the Apostle Paul. Why did I not get Nick's experience in his life? Why you go to was Matthew I chapter not seven. worthy? I, I, I can give you that explanation. You go what, to what Matthew about, chapter Nick, 7. Nick, Nick, what about that kid with childhood leukemia, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you get the special privilege? Why did your buddy with the staph infection get the special privilege? Why can't that child... Yeah get this special privilege. Why can't children in, in Ethiopia, my sister, perfect example, okay, I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent, bear with me. My sister believes okay. in uh, that whole BS, The Secret. Have you heard of that one? The Secret? Uh, like, I don't know it's so, it. Oh my God, it's very popular. Um, but it, it, it's like, you just have to have like positive thoughts, like like think, you know, positive imagery and you'll find success and, and it's so- Like weird. Hinduism with karma. Uh, no, no, more like, more like- um, like, okay, like, uh, let's take the yin and the yang. The white part yeah. is the inside of you, your brain, your uh-huh. imagination. And what happens is the is the other part of the karma. It's, it's, it doesn't even make as much sense as Hinduism. And it's so ridiculous. Like, if, if you just believe good things will happen, good things will happen. And people that aren't doing well need to really just believe in themselves and, and visualize success. And I always think, like, why don't you go over to fucking Africa? And tell them to visualize mm-hmm. a cheeseburger. Like it's ridiculous. Right. It's a ridiculous yeah, premise. No. But it to me, this isn't any different, Nick. Like this is mm-hmm. this is it falls back on itself, and it, it just it makes no sense to me in the same way. Well, we live in a fallen world. The things of this world happen not because God causes them necessarily, although he can cause them, uh, but he doesn't necessarily cause things. I mean, he doesn't cause me necessarily to have a lustful thought. You know, James chapter one talks about being enticed and drawn away by our own sinful lusts and desires. You know, there are things that we bring about on ourselves. And I'm not saying with a person with leukemia brought that on themselves, but I'm just saying this fallen world causes these things to happen. In the beginning, it was perfect. But wait, what, you know, what's walked. the difference? What's the difference between your buddy with the staph infection and the kid with childhood leukemia? Why, why does know. one get... It could, it could have been, and again, I'm totally pulling rabbits out of thin air. It could have been that there was somebody like me that should have gone and prayed for that child that didn't. Somebody who should have heard the Holy Spirit's call to go minister to that child. I mean, we're told as disciples of Christ to go heal the sick. That's one of the great commandments. It's the great commissions to go heal the sick cast out demons, even says to raise the dead. I mean, so the command is there. The difference is, is are we as Christians being obedient to the call? I can only speak for what God calls me to do, and am I obedient to do it? And in my obedience to do that, do I see miraculous things happen? And the answer is yes. If I was disobedient and I didn't go pray for Jonathan, would he have received that healing? Probably not. And that's where I come to. So the world creates a lot of, not a lot of, most of the drama that we experience as far as sickness and illness and, you know, the divorce and the car wrecks and all of the sorts of things. It's not God creating those things. But the reality is, is that God made a way of escape from all of this, and that is belief in his son. And so the faith that we have to have is the faith that he paid a price for me and for you and for everyone else, and that he is trying to restore this fallen world, and ultimately he will. And so these bad things that are happening go all the way back to the sin nature that occurred in the Garden of Eden, just as a two-year-old pitches temper tantrums and no one teaches them how to do it. It's a nature within us, and we have to overcome that nature through accepting Christ. Well, Nick, That's I, what I, I believe. I, I appreciate your time, man. I, I appreciate you coming on here, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I got a little frustrated at some parts of it. But, but it's uh, I understand. Yeah. I understand. If you you know, if you're sitting on a different team, it's kind of hard to cheer for the team that's it's, talking. So I, I get yeah. I get where you are. Nick, I get uh, where you are. But hey, listen, let me say this to you okay. and to your and, audience and, as, a, and, as a closing. Also, point. as as you're closing, finish that up, and also uh, tell us about noplacelefft.net and, okay. and your ending. I'll, I'll let you have the last word. Please don't make it too long. But but uh, no. I just and my last thing, I just want to tell you, thank you very much, and I appreciate your conversation today. Absolutely, Robert. I do appreciate the opportunity for being on here. So I want to say this in is in my closing. You know, 
people give Christians a bad rap saying we hate this person or we hate this you know, denomination. We hate, I don't hate anybody. Christians that are true Christians don't hate anybody. We hate sin. We dislike the things that are caused. As you're talking about a child with leukemia, we hate those things. That's not what we want. We want a good life for everyone. So we love people. So understand, I love you and I love others that are here. I just want you to experience what I've experienced in my life, and that is a belief in Jesus Christ and the resurrection that he presented for us. Uh, as far as No Place Left Behind, this is a group of men that I work with, not financially work with, but just a group of disciples we, we believe together that everyone has the right to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection. And we just are, are making an effort that there will be no place left in this world, and it begins where we live, to be able to share the gospel in a clear, concise way so that men are without excuse. They have at least heard that every person's given the opportunity to make a decision based on knowledge of hearing the gospel. I appreciate it, Robert. You have a blessed one, and I wish you the best, my friend. An old cowpoke went riding out one dark and windy day. Upon a ridge he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mighty herd of red eye cows he saw A plowing through the ragged sky And up a cloudy draw Thank you to Nick, thank you to Dave at DaveBlairMusic.com Thank you to our patrons You can also support this broadcast at Patreon.com forward slash right And learn more at TheRightToReason.com next week I'll talk about what it's like to know you're about to die and how that would change your life with Dave Warnock. This interview hits me pretty hard. Between now and then, remember that you have the right to reason. i